You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Welcome, everybody, to episode 53 of Cards and Cubes. We're your hosts. I'm Trevor. I'm Christo. And Christo, you have a lot of board games, right? Mm, just a few. <laughs> I'm going to no, tell I'm, you a story. I'm probably like <laughs> the biggest hoarder in the group, uh, secretly or not. So yeah, no, I, I do actually. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if... Have you ever heard of this uh, trend called uh, your shelfie? Uh, I mean, that's Which not like, a new thing. I think, I think it's been happening since board game collecting started being a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like taking a picture of your shelf. I actually saw somebody post about an app lately that was like trying to develop for shelfy pictures. I have no idea, but uh, anyway, I, I I think for you it may maybe it'd be better to call it a housey rather than a shelfy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a library. Uh, yeah. What does the what does the app do? Does it give them like smiley faces or something or bunny ears? I have, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no idea because I think they actually posted in like the Utah Board Game Exchange or maybe the SaltCon group, and we're just like asking people to basically sign up and contribute data so that they could start getting yeah. their app going. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that sounds weird. Whatever. Yeah, but anyway, that was a that was a tangent. That wasn't actually where I was headed with that. Um, as someone with a lot of games, maybe you can relate to this story that I'm going to tell. Uh, last week, so this is almost a week ago, my wife comes into the room and drops a wooden money token on my desk and says, "I found this in the living room." It belongs to one of your games, so this must have like fallen out when I was, uh, you know, punching a game out and putting it away. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what <laughs> game this goes to. <laughs> nice, you've hit that uh, time. Well, you just put it on a shelf and like hope that you remember someday, and like in ten years you'll have all these tokens that you don't remember the games that they go with. Exactly. Actually, I was reorganizing some stuff in my game closet today and i found a piece for a game i've sold already actually so oh that's unfortunate <laughs> oh yeah. it was uh it's like one of the uh, you know hundreds of tokens in betrayal at house on the hill where the token like kind of doesn't matter and you could probably play the game every haunt and never use that token um but anyway if that person ever messages me i i have the token <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I, another thing I wanted to bring up real quick, I think on a previous episode of the podcast, we've talked about um, container shortages and shipping issues around the world. Um, but something kind of brought that back to the forefront of my mind, the recent On Mars Alien Invasion uh, Kickstarter. They sent out an update before the campaign ended, and there was a little nugget hidden in that update that Eagle Griffin Games is increasing all of their msrp prices new so you know your uh just for example your new msrp for like venos deluxe is 160 the new lisboa deluxe msrp is going to be 140 kanban ev is going to be 150 that's pretty crazy actually weren't they like 100 so it's like a pretty big increase yeah, and these are these are the Kickstarter editions, so these might have like a little bit of extra stuff in it. But yeah, the they are increasing their prices and their siding as as 
uh, one of the reasons for that is container shortages and just overall general increased costs of doing business. So I think and other other channels in the in the board game media sphere are have been echoing this and kind of sounding the alarms that I think we're going to be seeing board game prices increase across the board in general in, yeah, the, in the coming months. It's very unfortunate, but yeah. It is what it is. Uh, but anyway, Container Apocalypse continues. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how it ripples throughout board game prices in other areas. Yeah, it's kind of sad, actually, because I keep wondering, like, if it's ever going to go back to what it was really like in 2019, you know, just like the world and the supply chains around the world. Like, I wonder if it's just like never going to happen again or something. This is like, yeah, I don't know. Just normalize. I don't know. That's weird. Hopefully, at least the shipping situation is going to get better, if not else, uh, other stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure. I was listening to um, the people at Capstone Games recently started a podcast and kind of talk a little bit about the stuff behind the curtain. And they've been paying four to eight times as much as they usually do for a shipping container. And they're they're not thinking that anything is going to ease up even a little bit until well into 2022. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, exciting uh, and, and happy news. <laughs> I will have to look to my full shelves to get me through these trying times. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of your of your library E, <laughs> the, yeah, you're going to have to just rely on existing hundreds of games uh, if, if you don't want to go out and pay full prices. But then you'll have, if we don't go out and buy games, you have what happens to Tasty Minstrel Games where they just kind of, are <laughs> shut <down>. just kind <laughs> yeah. of shutting down <laughs> you know so uh yeah it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing. maybe you just have to be a lot more selective of which games you buy and decide which companies you want to keep alive yep. all right well we'll kick into our main segment of today's show we're just going to do a recap of salt con end of summer 2021 uh Christo and I were both there for all three days. Um, as you've heard in our previous episode, we did a live recording in front of millions of people, and it was the most successful show ever. <laughs> yeah, I think during the uh, SaltCon summers, there's less interest in just kind of events. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm keep thinking like people at SaltCon maybe are not so interested in events as much as just playing games um, in general. But yeah, we actually had a, a decent time with a fellow podcast of ours, I guess, from Southern, or not Southern, like a little bit south of where we live. So it was, it was fun. It was a good time. It yeah. was a good time when they showed up. But yeah, I was hoping that uh, more people would show up. Yeah, they're they're off busy playing games. I think you're right. Yep. I think that crowd is particularly the end of summer is just and particularly coming out of no convention season, we're just particularly eager to go play games and not listen to to Joe Schmoes talk about games. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. Uh so uh, let's uh start just kind of going through what what we played. Uh this the convention started on uh Friday, July 30th. And any good convention starts out with a game of The Crew, 
in the library while you're waiting for the library to open. <laughs> really? That happened? Yeah. Actually, uh, uh, so a friend of ours and I, we played a two-player game of the crew and Oof. discovered that the two-player game of the crew is not fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we had uh, we had gone in and at Risto's request had snagged a couple of the hot games and were waiting for the library to open. And uh they they posted the incorrect time they said it was the the sign said 9 a.m but it actually opened at 10 a.m so we kind of showed up <laughs> like an hour early uh to the library and so we played the crew and just kind of hung out for a minute uh did not like the two-player game of the crew by the way not very good yeah i've never really tried the two-player game ever i know it's really weird because there's a shared third third hand and it's all like visible or something uh the crew is usually a four-player trick-taking game and i kind of prefer it at four i've played like five and three and it just kind of throws some missions into they become either way more difficult or way less difficult i think the game was really kind of designed and balanced for four and the two three five is more of an experiment and just kind of like oh well it kind of works <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, the two-player game know. is weird yeah and uh brandon was actually telling me that it's interesting uh then maybe i should give it a try but i haven't so yeah yeah it's i don't know maybe depending on who you are you might like it but what it is is there's a row of i think five or six cards face down and then on top of that there's an, another row of the same number of cards face up and basically whoever is the captain uh gets to play as this ai uh character so you just play basically two hands and so the captain gets to pick which card comes out so you have more information than you might otherwise um do you reveal lost. the do you reveal the <laughs> face down cards as you play face up cards basically? Yes. Oh, I see. So like you get more of a selection if you play when you when you play a card. Just like yep. something reveals. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it I guess it's fine and technically worked. We did lose the game that we were playing, but uh we didn't have any desire to like retry it at two players. So uh I wouldn't recommend the crew at two, but maybe maybe some people like it it actually sounds like the captain would be way more difficult because you're kind of playing two hand handed versus like just the other person playing a normal game kind of so it's like a three-player game with one person playing two-handed in a weird yep. way that's yeah, exactly right very, very strange idea but yeah yeah so after that we uh the same friend of ours and I got roped into a game of Red Rising. Uh, somebody wanted to learn it, and uh, we had a minute, so we taught that. And uh, I think, so this is just the game where you put a card down, pick a card up, do the ability, try to get the most points by the end of the game, try to collect cards that have synergies with each other, uh, similar to, I think, Fantasy Realms, which was nominated for Spiel. Um I think every time I play this game, I like it just a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And and I've played it at varying player counts, and I don't know. It it never gets better. It never gets dramatically it never worse. Gets better. <laughs> but I feel like I'm just like kind of growing a slight resentment towards it because uh, I don't know. I think there are a lot of cards and. 
I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of cards, and it, it's diluted sufficiently that maybe sometimes just think you're like your hand's just not going to work. And yep. so yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know if I appreciate the the core design of that type of game. So maybe that's just a sign that I won't like Fantasy Realms either. No, I actually think Fantasy Realms is better. I actually like Fantasy Realms, and I'm not a huge fan of Red Rising for the exact same reason. Uh, Fantasy Realms is actually manageable when you see it. It's kind of like, okay, I can like deal with this uh, because the the cards work more frequently with each other. I think Red Rising, I was just like, this is crazy. The deck is insanely huge, and a lot of the cards depend on like a, a single particular card. They're not even like, oh, just have like red cards or something like a lot. Of the cards are like have this one card which yep. may or may not ever come up and it's like a lot of those are just like i'm just like why why did <laughs> yeah. why did he go this way it's just so weird yeah actually and i think fantasy normals is like the better the implementation of that system in my opinion and we should yeah. give it a try sometime you might be right i should give it a try um <laughs> you're, you're actually gonna laugh at me for this because i keep telling myself every time do not go for the cards that call specific names. And every time I've played this game, I start the game telling myself that, and at the end of every game I find out, huh, I tried to go for the cards with specific names. Yeah. Um, and there are cards that kind of mitigate that. I think like the gray cards and the orange cards maybe allow you to sort of create a pretend color or a pretend character. So there are ways, I guess, to mitigate, but the problem with that is that I don't know that there's enough of those to mitigate how many of the cards, different cards there are in the deck. So you could just like be digging for both a specific card and the card that lets you cheat and never see them. So uh, also Fancy Realms is a shorter time to play the game also the game kind of plays more clearly as far as how the game ends so i, I think like fantasy realms is more appropriate for what the game is trying to do i think red rising like is kind of too complicated it's not that complicated like it's a pretty simple game but it's just more complicated than fantasy realms and that i don't think that's a good idea for the type of game it is basically um, basically it's like fantasy realms plus plus i don't know it's it's fine i guess but i would prefer the simpler version and i think it also has a cooler theme because i'm not into the red rising universe and stuff and if you are into red rising i you'd probably like the universe just fine i just think like fancy realms is cool cooler yeah and maybe that's part of it is i just this isn't even a game where i want I, like i don't find myself saying i want to like this game i'm just like eh, it is yeah. a game and we played it um so yeah it's just kind of unfortunate maybe fantasy realms will be uh more entertaining uh but after that uh i played micro macro a couple of times crime city the i think it won the spiel de jars right uh did it actually win that that's amazing if it won yeah. let me see i think it won and and paleo also won the kenner i think i think that was it yep wow that is actually crazy yeah uh, so I was going to say about Micro Macro, we basically talked about it a bunch last time. Um, what I was going to say about it is after kind of listening to what I said about it, I am kind of really glad I played it at SaltCon because like you were mentioning, the novelty of it kind of tends out tends to wear away pretty quickly. I 
had fun playing it at the convention um i would actually have fun playing it but it's like a really perfect demo game or like play at salt con and kind of never again game because yes it is one time playthrough and you kind of really don't i'm pretty sure actually you're gonna remember all the cases like by the end of the game and you'll never want to replay them because it's like zero replayability it's like uh basically like a murder mystery or something or solving detective cases and once you know the solution there's like zero interest to replay anything because there's nothing to replay uh but yeah the novelty of it kind of does wear out pretty quickly um like it's just kind of look at pictures and find out what happened and that's actually fun but it's fun for like an hour i think and then you kind of want to do something else yeah it's, it's not much of a <laughs> game really yeah it's just kind of amazing to me that it's one spiel this year so that's just crazy um because yeah the, there's not much game there it's just like look at pictures and find out what happened and it is pretty creative um like we said it's very unique that it's kind of more mature than you expect um, actually way more mature than you expect it's like really kind of weirdly scandalous at least the case that with was, it that was my favorite part of the game honestly was just, just like, like discovering that it's not like all childish <laughs> yeah. stuff and like people are getting murdered and yes. there's like weird like x-rated stuff going on and yeah anyway. yeah because the characters are kind of animated like you'd imagine maybe an old 1950s disney character like a you know old original mickey mouse type stuff um <laughs> but then you like stumble across uh like pretty gruesome murders happening yeah and in, not in just murders city. but other stuff in our case but anyway yeah i think uh this game like maybe it's there's some kind of demand for it right now but i think in the six months it's gonna be all these copies it's, they're just gonna like flood the market at like five dollars or something people are just gonna g be giving them away i think because there's like no reason to keep this game i think ever and uh the, the rule book actually suggests that you mount the the map on the wall of your house to like show to people that come into your house i don't think that's <laughs> yeah. really gonna happen it's i just, think i think it's uh, not that cool of a map like it's not even color maybe like uh, can make a really cool like coloring exercise out of it because it's huge some some intern somewhere must have just been like really brown nosing and like telling the telling the whoever was publishing this game that that map was cooler than it is because this is not something that uh i'd hang on a wall by any yeah. means it's not even shaded it's just black and white lines but yeah the rule book's kind of like oh yeah buy our game maybe we'll release an expansion if we sell more games and like mount the map on your wall and show it to people and uh introduce them to how cool our game is it's yeah like i mean little, it's it's a little very it's a little too hopeful uh <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. for its own good yeah i i think it kind of has the novelty of an unlock and you don't really yeah buy an unlock and keep an unlock no actually the crazy thing is with an unlock i have actually replayed unlocks now that i've done like three years ago and i surprisingly didn't remember a lot of the puzzles but i kind of did remember by the end like the overall playing the unlock uh this game though i feel like you are going to remember it because it's kind of unique and you kind of remember the solutions i think at least i remember like vividly the solutions to the our cases uh because simpler as well i think but anyway, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a fun time. I, I had a good time with it. Yeah, it it was fun experience. While I was playing that, I I looked over and saw you were playing Paleo. Do you have anything you want to add to what you mentioned last time? Uh, no, I didn't really mention that. It's basically a card game. Um, I mentioned that 
you take a tribe to survive the thematically like days and or i don't know seasons or something uh some kind of time periods uh basically it's very thematic actually but the whole system of the game is you have a deck of cards and you reveal the top card and you talk about what you want to do with the cards and you can help each other so you can kind of like give up the action on your card to do a better action on someone else's card kind of together thematically like your group of people you lend them icons that they are good at like maybe you have like good hunters in your group of people that you're controlling thematically and you help them hunt something larger together with their group of people so that's uh, kind of the cool theme about it but the whole game is actually pretty simple it's like uh, reveal cards from a deck of cards and talk about it and depending on what your choices are or what's on the cards things might happen to you and there is theme there but it's in an abstract way where you might draw like a volcano or something or a tree or like an animal attacks you or something or whatever so like events kind of happen to you through cards and you kind of have to imagine uh, what happens to your tribe members and they get hurt they might die uh, the cards might get trashed or they might just get used up and if they um don't get trashed actually the mechanic is you basically reshuffle the cards you've used and you that's the next day so the the whole system of the game is kind of like extract out of the deck enough icons and well when in terms of like tools or uh, tribe members to be able to survive the dangers which are also in the deck uh there's a lot of kind of lucky card situations sometimes it's very unfortunate but you literally cannot do anything useful with your card so that leads to some kind of wasted turns so i can kind of see how it's very uh, kind of luck prone because it's just like reveal the top card and hopefully you can do something useful with it and sometimes you can't do something useful with it and no one needs your help so it's just kind of like well too bad but i think uh <laughs> when you play the game over and over you'll kind of get to learn what the optimal things to do are what tools to craft there's also kind of like cool modular scenarios i guess so that might bring some interest in interest in replaying the game for example in our scenario there's like these tents and you can craft them with particular tools so there's like a focus on crafting tents uh because i think thematically you're like growing your city or something or of uh, the city uh tribal area or whatever village tribal village i guess uh so i think those modules might bring some interest in like different focuses or different items that you can do but i think a lot of the deck is going to remain the same and the game might, might get eventually kind of samey i am still kind of looking forward to the second edition and maybe we'll see <laughs> with the board game price increases if it's going to be too too expensive or not um but yeah maybe i was expecting too much of it slightly i was disappointed by it but i still had a lot of fun with it and i still want to play that one micro macro i kind of like well obviously the case that i played i never want to play it again but i don't think i'll be like ever really buying that one i'll play copies that i find in the demo sections or like it's all called next year uh but palio maybe uh we'll see uh, so when the, we'll see with oh. the second edition and like all the crap that's happening i'm not sure if it's ever going to re get released in the u.s but uh yeah I'll, I'll wait until it does basically or if it <laughs> yeah. doesn't it's just not going to happen 
Well, if, yeah, well, if I know you very well, I know you're not one to play, pay import prices. So <laughs> if it's not coming to the U.S., I think it's not happening. Yeah, no, I think eventually it's going to happen because I think there is interest in the game. And uh, I think they're eventually just going to do it, yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I have heard a little bit of buzz about this on some other um, channels and podcasts. And I, I'm just curious, since I didn't get a chance to play it while we were at SaltCon. Um, I'm curious, when you're playing it, uh, what to you made it stand out in terms of you know this this was the Kenner Spiel winner was there anything so <laughs> unique or did did it stand out to you as to as opposed to other type of you know cooperative survival type games or what what made this one you think stand out I guess um, honestly I have no idea in my opinion. Uh... Let's see, what were the nominees? The nominees were Lost Ruins of Varnak and Fantasy Realms. I, I really think Barrage, those games, I think. Uh, the Barrage was a recommendations list, I guess. Oh, so it, it was didn't technically, make the finalist. It technically wasn't nominated or whatever. But I honestly think, like, for Kennerspiel, uh, Lost Ruins of Varnak should have won. Uh, what does it, what makes it stand out? I don't know. Uh, there actually have been games of that kind where you reveal cards and kind of deal with, with it, and they kind of take you through a story of multiple days. Uh, Friday comes to mind. That's a solo game by Friedman Freeze. Uh, you're surviving on an island alone you're robinson crusoe i think actually that's why it's called friday and you're trying to kind of do deck building and and it's kind of the same concept you reveal cards and the like things happen to you you might find like uh weapons or items or people or whatever or animals so exactly kind of the same concept um I don't know, maybe the new thing in Palio is like you work with other people. Actually, there's another game which I need to play called Lost Expedition, I think, or The Lost Expedition. I think it's called just Lost Expedition. Uh, I'm looking it up. The Lost Expedition, sorry, which came out in 2017, which actually sounds very, very similar to Palio. I think Lo The Lost Expedition was even simpler than Palio, and Palio is already pretty simple, so maybe like Palio is like a little bit of a more complex game of that kind, but it's still a very, very simple game. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? Um, so I don't know. I, I think... Um, yeah, apparently uh, the jur jury or whatever or the judges really liked the co-op kind of go through a deck multiple times and kind of deconstruct the deck. Maybe that's the novelty is like you're kind of deconstructing the deck as you're going through it every day and you're extracting out of it uh, either weapons or actions or whatever. So maybe that's novelty, but I don't know. I don't think the game was actually particularly creative or anything. Uh, that's was kind of the surprise for me that it actually won yeah i i'm just curious about it because i um well apart from the whole debacle of <laughs> trying to like learn that game on the fly i think i mentioned in our last episode that yeah, that yeah. was a train wreck um i yeah I, I just i've just been curious about what what makes this one sort of stand apart because it certainly, I don't think, got nearly the amount of buzz that Arnak got, but that's not necessarily um, a reason to make Arnak win. But uh, it, it seemed to me that maybe Pali, Paleo, um, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't know if it delivered on that kind of expectation. So I was curious what your thoughts were. No, I was actually, that's kind of part of the disappointment is I had like really high expectations because I like Fantasy Realms okay and I uh, think Karnak is at least like a really well-designed game. 
Uh, so I was like, wow, that actually like won over those two games. This has to be better in every way or something. Uh, but I, I don't think it's necessarily better in every way. It's just it's, it's a unique uh, enough concept. Like I said, the combination of kind of deconstructing the deck together and talking about how to help each other and what the best action to do uh, is unique enough. But I mean, like I say, I think the Lost Expedition and Friday have done that somewhat similar concept before so whatever yeah yeah it's, it's a thing interesting uh well while you were playing that and i think your next game uh a group of friends and i started up a game of rococo deluxe edition which is one i've been wanting to play for a really long time and oh my goodness i loved that game it was so much fun i i will say that the deluxe version feels like a $40 game in a $130 box uh, because the game is actually pretty straightforward. It's just action selection, um, kind of deck building or hand building, I guess. The The game plays over a series of rounds where um, basically you, you're just using uh, cards from your hand to do different types of actions and the people in your on your cards might have like a, a bronze thimble or a silver thimble or a gold thimble and thimbles because the theme of the game is making dresses and uh, petticoats and fancy attire for a party to then watch fireworks at the end of the game um, it's it's really fun I liked the I liked the resource management aspects I liked the sort of the recipe fulfillment to to get your dresses and make them and then put them in different rooms where you then kind of have a majorities game of if you have the most dresses or people in that room, then you score points or you get resources. And then you try to get uh, your most fancy people into the highest floor because at the end of the game, they'll slide up to the roof to watch fireworks where they could score you uh, a lot more points as well. And yeah, I just, I thought the game was solid. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, and I might have to pick it up before <laughs> Eagle Griffin increases their prices. You, you've played this one before, haven't you? Yeah, I actually have the old edition, and I really looked a lot at the new edition, and I just don't feel the need to, like, I don't feel compelled to upgrade my edition. I think it's fine enough, like you say. I think it's, like, overkill for the same, basically, game. I don't know if they even have any gameplay stuff i actually have the mini expansion whatever it's called like dresses or something yeah uh, so i'm happy with uh whatever with my edition of it i like the game yeah i actually didn't think it was super straightforward i think there's a lot of kind of uh, complexity in the building your deck because if i remember correctly there are some cards which kind of like do weird things and there's some efficiency there if i remember i can't remember exactly how it worked yeah but so the, selecting the, selecting oh, which cards yeah selecting which cards you buy and how to play them and in which order and basically there's some rush for like colors and positions in rooms and stuff and uh kind of like a lot of timing uh thinking about timing i think is what i remember about that game i was like um also i think efficiency because i think you can buy better cards but you also want to have good cards <laughs> uh all the time now I, I can't remember the card flow exactly but i remember thinking about cards and like what's the order in which they should be played a lot in that game I yeah remember details about i guess it. i guess it wasn't entirely accurate to say straightforward i guess the game 
having played games that are heavier than this, it, Rococo just feels kind of intuitive when you're playing it. There's nothing that's super confusing, but as you said, it, it is a timing game. So you're really trying to get your actions in the right order. And then the cool thing about the cards as you go building your hand or your deck um, is the, the same cards come out in every game. It's just a matter of what order because they are staged. So, you know, the the longer the game goes on, the better the cards are going to be there available, which I think is a really good design decision. Um, but yeah, because there are there's such a finite number of cards, and because it takes a gold thimble to buy a new card, you have to be really thoughtful about uh, what you're going to buy and when and when you're going to play cards because certain other spots on the board take silver or gold thimbles. And so you kind of have to build your select your actions wisely because if you use all of your good cards in one round then you're going to be stuck with all your bad cards in the next round so you kind of have to think of how to spread that out so that you can kind of consistently do good things uh throughout the game uh but yeah i just thought that the design was solid and and clever and um really liked it i haven't played with the expansion but i i think you're right the the um the deluxe edition is largely, I think, just a cosmetic upgrade or cosmetic yeah. overkill. Um, but and the uh, weird thing is, actually, I'm not super sure that, like, I mean, the quality of the paper and stuff is nicer for sure in Rococo, but uh, the deluxe edition. But like the arts, I'm not sure. I actually like the new editions art that much better. I like the old edition just fine. Um, it's like i don't know if it's necessarily an upgrade if you know what i mean yeah like maybe like there's better like graphic design like the cool ribbons are like 3d and coming from the side as i look at some screenshots here and like everything's like cleaner and like more graphically better yeah, designed yeah i mean it but got like the, the illustrations you know, treatment yeah the illustrations are like fine in the old edition i was really happy with how it looked and yeah it's it's cool yeah, that's a, that's the interesting thing too is that the old edition, like you said, doesn't look bad. So it's not like this game needed um, a, a a reskin, but I like how the new one looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's fine. I'm just saying, like I don't know, it wasn't one of those like brown games from 2005, yeah. which had like nothing, you know, like something like Brass, where it would look like really bad, kind of. Yeah, actually, exactly. It it looked really fine, and the old art is really cool as well. Yeah, so that's uh, Rococo. Really, really enjoyed it, and would like to play it again. Uh, what what were you playing? I think I saw you playing. Uh, Tuscany or something. Yeah, actually, uh, we played a bunch of demo games really um, over the the Friday and the Saturday. Uh, we played Castles of Tuscany. Yeah, I think I previously uh, talked about it. I wasn't a super huge fan of that game myself, and that was uh, kind of, I guess happy to be vindicated because the person who wanted to play it also really hated the game <laughs> which was kind of hilarious oh, uh the I funny have a story thing is, like that later yeah the funny thing is actually uh well i won the game but he uh what kept happening is basically 
I would get like a good tile out of the middle. There's kind of a market with tiles, and I think that's a pretty big source of luck in the game. The other source of luck is the cards that you need to play the tiles. So there's like two sources of luck. It's kind of the ticket to ride system where you have to have two cards to play a particular tile in a particular region. So it's not like dice drafting, which is Castles of Burgundy. I think it's basically the dice drafting is replaced by having the right cards of the right color in your hand. And you can pretend similar to, again, Ticket to Right system, that two cards of a different region are one card of the right region that you need to have. So basically, there's a lot of card kind of like grief over I drew the right card or not the right card, and also like the right tile is available in the middle or it's not available. So I kept getting like really good tiles in the middle, and uh, it's fine because I would get one the and reveal a bad one, and then the next person would get a good one and reveal a bad one, and uh, the person who wanted to play the game was like stuck with the bad choice almost every single time or just not there's like no bad choices really but you're trying to kind of finish colors that you've committed to i think similar to castles of, Bur of uh, burgundy uh, and the, the right color was hardly ever available <laughs> so it's just very kind of un <laughs> unlucky and sad game and just remember a lot of like I can't believe this. It's not there again. <laughs> like it would, the, the same thing would reveal for me. I would grab it. The same thing would reveal for the person after me. He would grab it. And it's just like, all right, well, it's not available again. Nice. <laughs> so it's, it's like a, just a series of very unfortunate things. I think it's a fine game, but like it's definitely no Castles of Burgundy. And I don't really like it is unfortunately the summary of that game for me. Uh, it's light and it's kind of okay if you like a ticket to ride style game with the castles of burgundy ish system of uh building hexes on a board and kind of racing for first of some things and there's some kind of engine building there but uh overall it's a kind of a light experience in my opinion and yeah the the that we weren't overall too impressed by it in in my opinion but yeah it, but it wasn't it's like not offensive it's not like aggressively a bad game it's just kind of whatever and unfortunately quite a bit of luck so yeah it's Castle of <laughs> so this person brings the game to the table and he's like i'm really excited to play this and you're like we'll see about that <laughs> <laughs> yep no i actually did warn them i gave them uh plenty of warning that i'm not a super huge fan of the game but i didn't go into detail details or anything i'm just like hope you have fun with this <laughs> they did not have fun with this <laughs> so anyway yeah yeah i haven't actually played either of those games they're on my list to get to sometime just to you know f for reasons uh because the name is just so well known but yeah we'll see no, it, it's it's fine and actually someone has it in uh, our group so we can play it uh what i also wanted to say is there's also another source of luck basically there's just a lot of kind of sources of luck but there's these cards that you can reveal and some of them are literally like two points some of them are just like one point so there's a lot of things like that which kind of tells you what the game is all about but overall it works the scores are usually kind of close but I don't know if you feel like you were like played a super professional, awesome game and you had a lot of control over the outcome. I think it kind of feels like, well, that was a thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that sounds uh, like a wonderful experience and one I'm looking forward to maybe having. Um, At least it's short. So that's, that's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> 
that's it's, <laughs> it's under an hour i think so that, that's good yeah that's that's a good afterthought to any game at least it's short <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> uh speaking of games that are short and hilarious uh the next game i played after rococo was uh imhotep which is a cosmos game i think phil walker harding is the designer anyway um i would describe this game as trolly filled troll <laughs> with a side of troll with troll dressing uh, yeah uh, I've, I've actually also played it <laughs> i would describe it in like five seconds as load cubes and get them delivered where you don't want to exactly to, to, to not score <laughs> that is the game basically <laughs> that is that is the best way to describe this i've ever heard load cubes to get delivered to where you want don't want them to not score that's yep. exactly right um I, I do have to say I enjoyed playing it, but be it's probably because of who I was playing with. It It was just a fun experience, but oh my goodness, does this game just like not happen how you want it to. Um, the basic gist of the game is you just play over a series of rounds. You are, collect, I guess, taking cubes from the quarry that, uh, in ancient Egypt to then put them on boats, send them down the river to then pick up cards that do weird things or maybe end game scoring or you build a temple or a tomb or an obelisk yeah i was gonna say uh, basically you're delivering cubes to like scoring conditions yes. really uh, there's a variety of scoring conditions and you just deliver cubes to them to get like majorities or sets or whatever the mini games are on or there the or the highest cube tower <laughs> yeah yeah or so you're actually stacking cubes i i wondered how high we were able to get it but we actually didn't go to that spot a whole lot so i think we got three or four cubes high um anyway uh one player in particular in this game just enjoyed slapping the other player and i around sending our boats where we didn't want them so her cubes were amazing and our cubes <laughs> sucked mine in particular <laughs> Um, I think I described the game at the end as a as a hilarious curb stomp. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I would recommend this game, but if it's lying around and you feel like being slapped around for about 20 to 30 minutes, uh, 10 out of 10 would maybe recommend. I was going to say, <laughs> at least it's short. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's short. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think the guy played it just one time a long time ago when it first came out, which was like, like I don't know, saying long time ago. It's probably 2016. 20, 2018. Oh, wow. It, it was a long time ago. Okay. No joke. Uh, someone bought it that I know. They used to do like meetups at their house. It's like a long, really long time ago. A lot of things have changed since then. There's another life yeah another life uh but anyway i just remember it's uh, i can't remember how the control is i think the person who fills up the boat says where it goes right um or uh, something no you don't even have to fill it up you can just choose to send the boat oh you can just choose to send <laughs> yeah. the boat yeah so like the grief is like do you want to load a lot of cubes to nowhere or control no cubes particularly somewhere 
<laughs> no, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually thought the design was like not bad, but like the overall experience of playing the game was similar to yours. I was just like, okay, well, I thought I would have a lot more control over this game, but it ended up being just kind of random and up to the whims of whoever was sending the boats wherever, <laughs> which ended up not being me too much. So yeah, yeah. just kind of another game that just kind of feels somewhat out of your control, even though it should be more like i don't know it should feel better than it does for some reason but oh, the game is so out of your control because the way you send boats is someone just decides to do that as their turn yeah, and so yeah. there's no barrier of entry to being able to just like slap Grief someone people. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no it's just the the rules are like just do it <laughs> and yep. have fun watching other people just be miserable <laughs> But it was but, it was funny. Yeah, but at least like I think the idea actually of the design sounded really cool, and actually playing the game, I was like, well, that's not that cool. <laughs> that's that's kind of the summary <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah. So, well, yeah. at least it's short. It sounded better than it actually plays some somehow. Yep. Anyway, yeah, uh, I think we're going kind of into Saturday. I can't remember what uh, happened on Friday exactly or Saturday. Uh, actually, I do remember what happened. I play a, played a lot of games of Beyond the Sun, but I feel like I've talked about it before plenty, and it's kind of turning into possibly one of my like favorite games maybe ever. I think it's definitely up there, like top 10 uh, the games that have ever been designed as far as I'm concerned for some wow. reason so i think it's a really good game uh pretty solid so yeah that that happened i think i played like four or five games throughout the convention with various people but uh we played more light games um play to win i think was where they came from on i think friday or saturday i can't remember we played carpet dm which we've i've also talked about previously which is really really solid game i really like it someone was saying like it's kind of random i actually don't think it's that random um I I think it's pretty solid design uh, from Stefan Feld. Kind of a lighter game for sure, but I really like the design. Um, but I think we've talked about it previously. The new game that I uh, played, which I wasn't super impressed uh, by, but it was an interesting idea again. Uh, it's called Yokai Septet. Uh, I'm always curious about trick-taking games, and I was um, curious about that one when I heard it's trick-taking. The novelty in this game is it's pretty kind of relatively standard trick-taking uh, game where someone leads, there's a trump, and you can just uh, play. Obviously, you have to follow with color, but if you can't follow, you play a trump maybe, and you take stuff. Uh, the interesting thing is, first of all, the goal. The goal is there's a particular, I think, yokai or something, which is the sevens. I think, from what I remember, it was all about like the sevens. Um, so capturing those cards gives you points in the basic version which we played. There's actually a points version where you can uh, capture, I think, particular, like uh, the sevens actually have different points on them, so it gets even more complicated. It's not just about sevens, it's about uh, particular cards with higher or lower points. Also, there's another card with points, if I remember correctly. I can't remember if it's like the two or something. But anyway, um, the interesting thing about the game is there's a card which uh, I wish I could show you, but all the suits, and there's like seven suits in the game, so it's the game has a lot of suits, are offset. So they go from like 1 to, to 13, and uh, actually there's no 1. The 2 to, two to 13 
and there's a card which is like the highest card in the game which is actually the lowest card in that suit which is like an ace but the suits are offset so like the green suit for example goes from two to seven and then the next one is like well from ace to seven really the next one is two through eight next one is three through nine and the final one is seven through thirteen so like there's a suit which just has higher numbers than another suit which I feel like it's kind of a weird cheap trick to just mess with your head, but the game is also very heavy on counting cards because every suit only has seven uh, cards in it. And basically you should count cards because if you play a suit once and four people play, there's only three cards around and now someone can trump and it's it's very like card county i don't know how to explain it but like you can you should definitely cut current count cards in other games but this one is even more cards uh heavy on counting and it kind of is interesting because because of this offset like seven in one suit is the highest card when the green suit is the highest card but seven in the uh highest suit is the lowest card so it, like i say it just kind of starts messing with your head like because uh, you want to take sevens and sometimes seven is really high sometimes seven is really low sometimes seven is in the middle um so it was very weird but i kind of thought it was okay i don't think it was particularly amazingly awesome uh but it was a very interesting like if you if you really like memory memorizing which cards have been played and uh, counting cards i think that's a really perfect game for you uh also there's kind of a lot of thinking um because uh you we were actually playing on teams so you play with the person across from the table so maybe like you're hoping that they have a card that they can trump with and i can kind of see like uh in those kind of games like bridge or whatever there's like uh you can kind of develop a code <laughs> if that makes sense of like if you play a particular color or something you kind of signal to the other person that you can trump or something you know what i mean like there's like meta around what card you play with but play play when your teammate leads and i think that card this game if you play it a lot can develop that kind of uh, meta i don't think that's very interesting to us because um, i'm talking a lot about it and we're probably going to play it like if anyone buys it like once every three years but uh or very, just once <laughs> yeah or just once ever uh but I, it's a very interesting design i, I can see kind of what they were doing and uh, it does lead to some very like thoughtful decisions a lot of card counting and a lot of kind of like oh i don't know if my teammate can actually take this because maybe if you lead with a seven they might have the higher card or not uh ultimately though kind of just that was like well whatever it's again one of those games that kind of sounded better on paper maybe than it actually plays but i had fun with it so that's yokai septet um weird trick taking game with a lot of card counting and weird offset suits nice well you, you'll be proud of me Risto. i played not one not three but two trick-taking trick games. games oh my gosh really crazy yeah i didn't so, expect that from yeah. you so 
yeah, I what, which snuck off into a corner so you couldn't see me doing it. <laughs> it's like secret <laughs> trick-taking game. Like, Don't let her still see me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't Bonanza. Uh, so I this the first one I played was Friday night before I played, or I guess Friday before I went to teach games. Um, and then I actually did play Beyond the Sun one time that evening with you. Uh, I won't talk about that, but I agree with you. Really, really good game. But I'm actually surprised to hear how much you like it. That's pretty cool. Um, anyway, so I played High Society, uh, which is a game I played with you before. And I just want to say <laughs> quickly that I figured out how to play this game well. You trick other people into spending all their money. <laughs> yeah, but someone has to buy the, like, uh, bite the whatever uh, bait, the, take the bait. Someone yeah. has to take the bait. Otherwise, uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> so yep, that's kind yep. of the game. <laughs> So th- I, I played this with uh, with our friends Justine and Matt, and just to just to kind of, I mean, it was just hilarious how this game ended because we uh, tricked Matt into playing his twenty five card, which is the highest card, um, when his only other card was a one because I guess he forgot how the game ends. Um, so anyway, he played his card so and then he immediately the game with yep. one dollar. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, and like because the person with the fewest money gets eliminated, and like yes. one is way for sure you're getting eliminated. Yes, like, for sure you're getting eliminated. And that that yeah. was, we just busted out laughing because he realized his mistake after that round ended, um, and the game ended actually. Uh, but I tried an interesting. Well, I guess I don't know if it's interesting, but I tried a strategy that this game of just like blitz um some good stuff at the beginning of the game and then just try to not win anything for the rest of the game um which worked at first because i got a like a times two multiplier and a nine or something like that so i had a pretty decent score and then the bad cards started coming and i was in trouble and then yep. matt forgot how the game works and then i won <laughs> yay that's um, not a trick-taking game by the way so hopefully you have two others i'd say that's like an no. auctioning game really yeah i mean it's not necessarily trick-taking but it's kind of trick-taking mm, because you're I'd say like it's basically an auctioning game in my opinion it's, it's not yeah, trick-taking at all i mean you're just auctioning cards all the time that's right but the that's way the you're game. auctioning is by essentially playing a trick but mm, but yeah, it, it goes around until it stretchy, ends <laughs> stretchy definition <laughs> yeah. of trick-taking but whatever yeah i don't know maybe i'll look on bgg and see if it has trick-taking i'm actually curious I, I don't. I doubt it. I, it reminds me of actually For Sale, which is another game of that kind, or something like Biblios. That's another game of that kind. I do like High Society. It's kind of a simple game, so it's whatever. Sometimes it's lucky, especially with the way the game ends, because sometimes the game is way shorter than you think it is going to be, and that really matters. Um, also, the, there can be king-making situations, in my opinion. Uh, some person who is for sure going to lose the game and it's kind of obvious can decide who wins the game by letting someone like get the card for cheap or not i've seen that happen before but uh it's a pretty quick game and i think it's kind of fun for what it does it's pretty like solid auctioning game uh for how simple it is and the rules and everything yeah i stand corrected it is not trick taking it just it just kind of feels trick takey ish but it's not it's not so i stand yeah anyway i played not two, but one <laughs> trick-taking <laughs> game at SaltCon. Um, uh, the trick-taking game I played is called Darwinning, um, <laughs> or Darlosing, as I like to call it. Um, I mean, it's fine. 
the interesting thing about this one, I guess, is that you're trying to like engine build or not engine build, maybe just attribute build your particular animal so that it becomes the most survivalist and strongest. Um, so when you're winning tricks, I think the mechanism is that you can add a card to your display. And I think you, over the course of the game, you can have a total of maybe five or six cards that add abilities, uh, such as like you can't be poisoned or you can only be eaten by animals smaller than you. Or, or or something like that and or there's you have to feed your animals or your herd or whatever it is or population at, at intermittent, intermittent points during the game and some things make it easier to feed and so i don't know it was fine it's kind of a climbing game i think but uh i didn't didn't particularly love it didn't hate it but uh i thought that the uh, attribute building aspect of the game was was unique in terms of trick taking games that I played, but I haven't played a whole lot of tricky taking games. So. Have you played Evolution? Uh, nope. It reminds me of Evolution, um, or is it Evolution? I don't know how to pronounce Evolution or Evolution. Evolution? Is it Evolution? Uh, you can say Evolution or Evolution, and either one works. Whatever, I think. it's fine. Uh, anyway, I played uh, Evolution a while ago and i totally hated it like a lot because it has the same concept actually i don't know if they borrowed it or like how similar it is kind of sounds very similar actually because in evolution also you evolve your dinosaurs uh to have different traits and there's a lot of take that in that game you can literally eat the other dinosaurs around the table you can like contest people for food which is in the middle of the table and push them out and have their dinosaur starve and all that fun stuff and uh, I think I hated because someone kept attacking me even though I don't think I had the like highest score by any means but they just kept attacking me and eventually I evolved my traits to where they couldn't attack me anymore <laughs> but that like <laughs> wasted my entire game into useless building up traits and of no like points. I live in the trees I have a shell and like I have wings and like basically all these like super <laughs> defensive things uh like this card defends this card this card defends this card and it's just like insane but i stopped them from being able to attack me and uh then the game ended and obviously i didn't have a good score <laughs> so anyway uh no i think a lot of people actually like that game because it is very kind of combo heavy but it does have a lot of take that um and i think I don't know. The take that I think is supposed to stop the leader, and they always have kind of a problem with they, those kind of games if they are very complicated. They should be usually kind of simple. Or uh, actually, I don't mind them in a in an area control kind of setting, but this is not area control. This is some kind of like a combo building game. So I don't know. It sounds kind of similar to that actually. Um, the title of it, Dar Winning, sounds really like not great in my opinion. So Dar Losing. Maybe they should have picked a better title or something, or it just sounds kind of like it's maybe for children or something, or, you know, like not the kind of game that I would take seriously. But it actually does look kind of like a serious game from the pictures. So I'm kind of curious yeah, it's, how it's it goes. Yeah, it's kind of strange. I, I don't think there's as much take that as Evolution. You're just um, describing the take that part of it, I guess, is at the end of every round you basically have to feed your population 
and if you're short population, you can eat another player um, that's behind you. <laughs> so but, it does but they don't, kind of have a similar thing. Yeah, but they like don't. I don't remember the exact penalty for if you get eaten. If you get eaten, you get like these bite mark tokens that eventually do something to you, I guess. Um, but I kind of did what you did and like just built a defense <laughs> so that I couldn't be eaten very much. Um, but it it didn't feel super take that. Um, it's a climbing game and it has like poker elements to it. So like, oh, that's weird. Like you're trying to collect sets or something, like full house or something yeah, like that, so, or well, just like it's show not better even, sets, play it's better not, sets. Yeah, exactly. It's not even collect. It's you get dealt a hand, and can you play cooler poker hands than I your see. neighbor? And I th maybe there's a card passing mechanism. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't know. Yeah, it, if I see may, someone maybe, playing it, maybe I'll check it out in the future someday. I'm kind of curious just what it is, or maybe yeah. just watch watch preview of it. I think maybe if you're into trick-taking games and climbing games with weird twists, this one might be for you, but I I just was kind of underwhelmed. And But that's just my general reaction, it seems, to yeah. trick-taking games. It doesn't seem like it has good reviews anyway, so it's probably not super great. But yeah, it should yeah. be fun. And it's I don't designed, even know who... Uh, oh, go ahead. It's designed by like four people. That's kind of crazy. They're all like uh, Finnish, it sounds like, or something. That's, that's what yeah. their names sound like to me. Yep. That that looks accurate. I don't know how to pronounce all those names. Yeah. Anyway, weird. Uh, anyway, so I don't even know who won that game because we had to like throw it in the box and get ready for the next game. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say throw it in the trash and get to the <laughs> <Yeah>. next game. <laughs> well, I mean, it didn't get to that level, but maybe uh, there was a huh. trash can nearby. Uh, yeah. No, we actually got start. We played the first round of the Great Western Trail tournament uh, at SaltCon. I think we had four full games, so it was a pretty good turnout. Um, I really like this game. I don't think we need to go into great detail about what it's about, but basically it's just big rondelle system. Uh, you're building buildings, collecting cows, moving trains, selling your cows to get points uh, by the end of the game. Uh, it's sort of a deck building element for your cow deck and, and, and all sorts of stuff. So anyway, there's plenty of content out there on what Great Western Trail is, uh, but the reason I wanted to bring it up on, on this episode is <laughs> some funny things happened during this, uh, during the tournament that I, I don't know if you've heard about them, but maybe you have. Um, so in, in my game, I ended up winning uh the first round but i had to leave uh for a couple hours to go to a family event and so the person who i sent through in my stead uh actually ended up winning the, the whole thing uh but the funny thing happened like the the funny series of, of events happened in other games so one of our friends was playing with a couple of new players and so and he's played this game a lot and is quite good at it and so this the, one of the new players, as I gather, was just asking for tips a lot as they're playing the game. And so, <laughs> so it's like, no, this is yeah, a tournament. Yeah. Are you kidding me? But so what was what's what I find just absolutely hilarious about this is that our friend basically like created this monster that actually beat him in the game. That's funny. So like he was just like he telling him himself. Yes, yes, he played himself and he beat himself. Nice. So, 
um, it was just kind of funny. I think that this, it's strange what happened too is because I think that what this person did was basically like buy up a bunch of hazards and somehow hazard tiles and, and won the game in some weird way. Our friends was kind of like, I got to the end of the game and was just like, what happened? <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, weird. he got eliminated and this this new player went through the final where that new player proceeded to buy all of the hazard tiles and clear the path for the person who had gone through in my stead to use all of the really good building spots after the hazard sections, um, you know, because you'll, you'll get the the bonus on you'll get the action on your building plus if you go to these spots that are supposed to be difficult to get to because they're behind hazard tiles you get these added benefits so this player was able to just set up this amazing chain of of just like buildings, trollage I guess, on, yeah. and buildings on the board and just run you know wreak havoc on everybody else and so our friend created a monster that took <laughs> that took the rest of the competition down <laughs> and i just I'm, thought that that was funny yeah, I think it's funny that yeah you were supposed to go through, but you gave up your space, so that's kind of sad. But yeah, I, uh, I'm surprised Hazards actually won because that's a really difficult way to play the game because they're really expensive and yeah. they they usually are pretty big fail in my opinion to buy a lot of them. Like a few of them is good, but like your entire game being Hazards, I really can't kind of see that working, but yeah that's so weird yeah so it was just it was just a funny experience and i don't mean to disparage the the person who went through on my behalf he had actually knows the game well and plays really well and obviously because he took advantage of a situation uh that presented itself in the final round but i just thought it was hilarious that uh our friend created a clone of himself that took him down and then <laughs> then helped uh the other the other player win at the end <laughs> it was just kind of funny uh anyway what were you playing that morning uh actually like i say on saturday i think i kept playing these kind of smaller games i actually can't remember much from saturday for some reason i think i played a bunch of beyond the sun games and then i started uh teaching actually games which was still beyond the sun i remember actually watching uh a full game of praga kaput regni and another half game of praga kaput regni just because i was teaching the people who were playing and i was kind of watching the game it was kind of entertaining actually i like uh watching uh, people play that game that may be like watching people play that game more than playing it sometimes <laughs> oh, no. i don't know that's kind of <laughs> weird to say but no i think uh, i think the design of the game is really good it's just like i say I've, we've talked about it plenty previously i think it's a fine game though it's whatever uh but anyway, yeah it's yeah. interesting that you say that because i w during my shift of of teaching games on friday i ended up uh, just because of how the the tables were there's there's a group that had just started playing beyond the sun and they had a person in their group that was teaching it so i didn't have to teach that and then um the other game we had we were teaching is really small um, so i kind of just hung out at the praga table and just watched these players play and they did some interesting things that i don't think I ever had the courage to try. I don't know if they worked so well, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, like you said, it's just kind of interesting to watch uh, different groups play and see what they choose. Um, yeah, 
I was gonna say some people try the stuff that you're like, how are you ever gonna do this? Like claim like three achievements or so, two achievements, just kidding. You can't claim three achievements, I think. Someone tried to claim two achievements of the resource kind and like really capitalize on that and like push their resources to the maximum. Um, I don't think those things work particularly well by themselves. So if you can combine them with something else, maybe it's possible, but yeah, to your point, there it's kind of interesting to just kind of see what people go for yeah yeah i don't know if i've ever seen uh i think those are the seals the achievements <laughs> the seals, the yeah yeah that's what i mean seals yeah, yeah the seals I don't, I don't know if i've ever seen that strategy work um and and win a game like if somebody's trying to push seals pretty hard i, I don't know if i've ever seen that pay off but maybe yeah i think the point is to also get some buildings to pump that up but anyway yeah just it's it's kind of interesting um i also got into a really really long game of beyond the sun which i was just kind of like wow that was long uh how, how long was we, it i actually can't remember maybe like two and a half hours plus teaching so like i think like overall probably like three hours ish which is way way too long yeah. for beyond the sun i think by the time i was done with that game i came over to your table and we played something <laughs> silly and i can't remember even what it was uh it was tyrants of the underdark oh yeah yeah tyrants of the underdark yeah uh, i think we've talked about that game previously as well i like it uh we played the old edition which is really cool i wish they would produce an upgrade pack for the new edition for the little plastic thingies i think they're really cool and hopefully they will do it um yeah but if some, they don't i think i'll just have my brother like 3d print them or something yeah or you can probably get them from like etsy or something or yeah just order them from someone who 3d prints or has a 3d printer like a friend of yours but i kind of actually wish that they would just freaking reprint the old edition i don't know why they decided they decided to make like a crappier edition of that game because i think it's a good game anyway yeah <laughs> probably because it's less expensive yeah, I, I tried to do something weird in that game, which actually almost worked out, but not really, um, which is like not really go for the big cities on the boards, uh, but just go for like small cities and lots of spies and just like l no waste on the roads between them. Um, I don't know, it, it's an interesting game. Um, the person who won uh, had like a, some kind of, I don't even though i wish i could like watch a replay of that game because he had like an insane amount of uh just really good cards i was like how is that even happening like at some point in the game but apparently it was happening somehow so whatever. i just, don't I, even remember how that came to pass but yeah he, he had, I, he had uh, he, several he, turns where he had like 15 swords or something yeah yeah so he was able to just like get these insane turns and i just don't understand how i've never been able to basically put together a game where like the cards worked so well together that I was able to do something like that. So I was just kind of, maybe I should have paid attention to what he was doing. He was probably like cheating. Just kidding. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I doubt and it. That's, that's He's a very honest thing. person. Yes. Yes. Um, if fair and square won the game for sure. Um, I, the, the one thing that was a little strange to me is that I, I took my typical approach in that game of buying the cards that just murder cards in the row. <laughs> so like I was, I, I remember him getting uh, upset with me for killing cards he wanted, not actually upset, but just like, you know, I, I was killing cards that he wanted to buy, but I guess he was still able to get good stuff. And, you know, I had like, a, I think I had 
an early apparent lead, which caused my downfall because then um, Risto sounded the alarms and then this other player destroyed me. And uh, yeah, <laughs> anyways, uh, and my I, my deck was a lot. It was really good at like swapping out all the white, the neutral player pieces and then just kind of expanding quickly. But I did not have a lot of ability to like target a player. So I, was yeah. not, I just didn't have the ability to do a lot of swords, which is kind of crucial in the late game. Yeah, it was very strange that our game when we played ended by the deck running out because I've hardly ever seen that happen. Usually it's the way our game ended is by some someone placing their last piece. So yeah, it's it's a thing. I, I like that game. It is kind of a deck building game though and obviously sometimes you just don't get the right cards out because card market. But at least... Uh, it's like six cards long and generally the cards there's it, there's usually something decent out there that doesn't yep. completely ruin your life in that game yep. for some reason no i agree the the solid design i really like this game um you just have to be kind of ready to get smacked in the face when <laughs> when somebody has a really good turn <laughs> Yeah, it is very take that, so I feel like you should really pay attention to who's really winning and kind of attack them, really. That's kind of the whole game. And hopefully it's kind of balanced in the end and there's no weird surprise where someone's like, oh, I just have like 30 points over everyone else. But usually yeah. you can kind of tell. So Yeah, yeah but it, it may not be balanced just because of the way the cards happen and you know that's just the nature yeah. of a deck builder. Yeah, um, but it's fine. It's a good time. I like Tyrants anyway. Yeah, so so before we got to uh, to tyrants, I actually did have an opportunity to play Mermies. I mentioned that on our last episode that I was really looking forward to playing that. Of uh, of the top three games I mentioned on the last episode, actually, this is the only one I was able to get to the table, and I think it's pretty cool. Uh, basically, it's just the flow. It's an action selection game where you try to. Uh, get worker ants and army ants to then go on the board spread your pheromone trails to score points and then eat other bugs to get food and points so that you can upgrade your colony and uh, do cooler things and basically just trying to find ways to create points in the game uh, not like the best game in the world but one that i really enjoyed um i think you said you have this somewhere in the deep recesses of your uh library don't you yeah, I actually have most of the Astari games. I really like Astari games. They're, I think they're not really functional anymore. I think they got acquired by Asmodee. And um, I think they're not really making games anymore, which is really sad because they made these kind of not very complicated kind of Euro games. But uh, the, their first like claim to fame and their first game was East, I think, which is kind of funny because like, and by the way, I think all of their games start with YS, uh, except Mermies. No, actually, they don't start with YS. They just replace, uh, they always have Y in them, if I remember correctly. But then they kind of went away from that because they made like Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare doesn't have Y, but I is have it, is it. 
Shakespeare with a Y. Shayke. Well, that'd be ridiculous, and that's probably why they didn't do it, because they wanted like kind of a serious game. Uh, but I really like Shakespeare as well. But they do these games where like there's not really much going on, that the game kind of progresses very slowly and methodically, and they're kind of very samey to replay, but they're kind of fun to play for some reason for me, and they feel very kind of old school. They have like a very distinct kind of old school feeling of yeah, you don't get too many turns and your turns are kind of meaningful and um, there's not too much going on but timing matters a lot and the game itself is kind of not super complicated uh, but yeah I, I like uh, Morms or Mermies or whatever um, just fine I like most of their games uh, quite a bit uh, yeah I thought it was cool when I played it I need to play it again I think it's a cool game. It's kind of combines some kind of engine building of uh, kind of ant management, I guess. Like, how many ants do you have? And you have to kind of give up actions to get better actions in the future by breeding ants. Uh, but there's a race, obviously, for objectives. And the objectives, uh, the sooner you do them, the better. And I think, actually, like, only the first person gets them, if I remember correctly. So it's kind of like this, like... Uh, do I want better actions later or maybe to race for some objectives and not have better actions later? And also there's like this abstract game of kind of cool thematic. The ants actually go up from like this 2D side view of their colony into like a 2D overhead view of the lawn or whatever where they live. And they put these pheromone trails and they expand like their territory and there's like a not really a fighting game just kind of claim f territory first kind of game uh, going on then you kind of like kill spiders and bring them in for like food and stuff and yeah it's it's cool i i think it's cool and thematic and a little bit old school feeling but i like it yeah it's a cool game um and unfortunately very out of print um so yeah, I remember actually like five years ago when these games were all on clearance and no one cared about them and now they're just out, <laughs> yeah. I guess, and forever yep. probably. Yep, they're gone. So I there are I found a couple copies online, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll for just like, play your copy. For for nine hundred dollars. Probably. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't remember the price, but it was a lot, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and it might have been international too, which was another Ugh, yeah, like kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, that's maybe not worth it. I'll just, like, call Haristo and have him bring his <laughs> copy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next game I played after that really quickly is uh, Blackout Hong Kong, um, another Alexander Pfister game uh, where you're just kind of building a hand and trying to fulfill contracts on your board so that you can um, put your buildings onto the map and enclose districts and score points. Um, uh, really cool. Bring the power back online because yes. it's, it's like super thematic. Just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I don't think. <laughs> I think the theme comes like across in zero way in that game. There's you have to really nothing. try hard. <laughs> it like the theme is first of all really strange, and second of all, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. You're like sending these scouts around the city, which is experiencing like power outages, and there's like I don't know. It's just so weird they should have just basically put a different theme on it in my opinion but the game itself is really solid and cool yeah 
the game is super solid. And one thing I was going to mention is I kind of actually like how the resource uh, generation works in this game where you just, you roll three dice and those dice are allocated on to different spots of a rondelle or a circle. Um, and depending on which symbol um, you roll, that resource will be produced that round. And so you allocate these cards onto your player board that will send those types of color cubes to this circle. And if it's not the type of resource you want, you can use these truck tokens to just like send the resources to a different spot in the circle, depending on how far away they are from the dice that corresponds to the color cube you're placing. Anyway, I, it, it just is a really cool resource production mechanism. And in, in this last game we played, I actually had basically Oh, way too many trucks. So I could basically always produce the type of resources I wanted, um, which which was really cool. I didn't end up winning the game, but it was it was a close game. Uh, I just really like this design. Really solid, kind of a follow up to Mombasa. I think um, kind of iterates on that system, um, which reminds me, I want to go back and play Mombasa. But between these two, I don't know which one I like more. I think they're both solid games and really enjoyed this play of, of Blackout. Yeah, I think Blackout is a little bit more streamlined and easy to understand than Mombasa. I think Mombasa is a little bit weirder. Yeah, I saw you actually uh, playing, starting to play Blackout and I went to play Beyond the Sun. <laughs> I remember that actually. But I really like uh, Blackout anyway. I think it's really solid and um, it basically is kind of like... I don't know, like I say, Mombasa or Newton or something, but I just think like the ability to be able to plan what your next cards are is really good. Um, I'm actually, the resource generation is fine. Like, it, the, the, I don't know if it's like super strong suit of the game because I was going to joke that it's like random resource generation. It kind of is random, but the dice have like odds of what they are could be and, and you, you can, can never have two dice on the same one yeah you can never have two dice on the same one so it is random but like it's random with control and yes you can have trucks to adjust it and it generally works out in a really kind of tight and uh really kind of deliberate way the whole game kind of plays very yep. in a tight to tight and deliberate way uh, i think the incentives to like put cubes in particular places on the boards are really well done basically the whole package is like really well done i think the game probably didn't do so well because the weird theme and like the board is black for example and i don't <laughs> yeah. know too, pe too many people like yeah. the board being black and like the cards are these like neon colors and it's just like really strange visual design and theme but the game is like really solid in my opinion so yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great game. Uh, after that, we played uh, one game of Libertalia. I think we've talked about this before on the on the podcast, but I just wanted to bring this up because of a really fun, <laughs> really funny thing that happened uh, during one of the rounds. Um, so basically, like the game is, you know, you start with a, you start each round or age or whatever with a hand of cards, it's and then your trip. I think it's a week long trip yeah. on the seas. Yeah, so you're like simultaneously playing cards, you flip them, and then you organize them based on uh, numbers, and then you, in reverse order, from I guess from highest to lowest, you pick up booty from uh, the the board, uh, which could be like treasures that are worth the balloons, or it might be a sword that can stab somebody else's crew member, like or thematically a Spanish officer. You yeah. meet you meet the Spanish officer and he stabs you. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, fun pirate theme. Uh, but th this hilarious thing happened in one of the rounds we were playing. Uh, so we were playing this with our friends, uh, Matt and Justine and Matt and I both played, I, I can't remember what the card is called. Maybe it's called a beggar or something, but basically yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like the highest card has to pay us three doubloons. We both played that yep. card and it's like a three. And Justine played, I think, the Brute card, <laughs> which is not only was she the highest card, but that card punches the highest card off the boat. <laughs> so uh, she had to pay us money and then punched herself off the, <laughs> off the boat. Uh, so it was just a really funny, really, really funny combination uh, of, of events. The funny thing is actually, I don't know if you play that right, but if she punched herself out with the highest brute, I think like the cards get resolved from top to bottom. So she's gone. So like the next think, person um, has to pay you. Well, I think the, I think what it is is that the sun, the daytime power resolves left to right. And, oh. and then you resolve the booty picking right to left. Yeah, I can't and remember so, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I, the way I, it worked out, I think that the payment obligation triggered as we were going left to right, and then it got to her where she punched herself off the boat. Yep. Uh, so it wasn't so much as begging as it was extorting. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of really trolly cards in that game. It's, it's very swingy and trolly and take that, but overall it's a pretty fun game for some reason. I don't know why, but I always like playing that game. Yeah, it's it's just a good time. But and yeah, like at least in, it's short. <laughs> in yeah, in one round, like there's also like a monkey card which can like send someone all your masks at the end of the game, which is like there can be some really trolly moves in that game, like really oh, really yeah. bad. So I, I got trolled really hard in our in the final round or the final week because in the first week I scored something like twenty eight doubloons, and the next week I scored something like twenty, and then I got dogpiled in the final and scored like three doubloons in in the final week so yeah it, there's a lot of opportunity to just be slapped around yep but it's a fun game it's a fun time you only played with three though i think it's actually better yes. with more people because you kind of yeah, want more chaos and weirdness really yep yep i agree but anyway, uh, yeah sounds good so, yeah so that was all uh, tyrants of the underdark was the last thing we played on saturday do you remember much of sunday yeah, actually, Sunday was uh, the day when I that actually played. That was beyond played... Sunday. <laughs> no, 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 that's the, I was going to say, the day when I actually played some new games that I really wanted to play. It was kind of a failure when I talked about on Friday, like, oh, I'm going to play all these like new games and stuff. I actually ended up playing kind of Beyond the Sun a lot and maybe old games that I'm familiar with, a few new ones, but Sunday was kind of the day when I actually played a lot of kind of newer games to me, or not a lot, but two. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> Uh, actually, speaking of Sunday, though, I'm, I'm guessing you want to talk about the awesome start oh my of, of your day. Let me tell you. <laughs> Best SaltCon experience the, maybe yes, ever. Yes. <laughs> I'm being this one kind of. goes into the Hall of Fame as best game in the world. No joke. Uh, so some for some reason, I got it into my head going through the SaltCon library that I wanted to play Robin Hood and the Merry Men. Uh, this is a game published by Final Frontier Games, and I'd had a good experience with Coloma, um, which I thought was a fun game. Not an amazing game, but fun to play, in my opinion, at least. 
Um, and so I was just kind of curious what other games they'd put out. And I remember I had remembered seeing this game. I think Sam Healy did a review of it um, for the Dice Tower several years ago. This game came out in 2018. So anyway, I, I took this game home with me uh, Saturday night and like opened the box when we got home and saw on the rule book it said semi-co-op mode. I was like, oh. Well, we don't want to play that. Where's the competitive one? <laughs> and then I realized that the game is semi-cooperative, and the group I was planning to play with it, to play it with, uh, doesn't generally do that type of game. So I, I kind of messaged them and gave them an out and said, "Hey, look, I didn't realize this was semi-co-op. So if you don't want to play it, we don't have to." Um, and then I read the rules. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess this has some potential fun elements to it. It's got kind of a Euro-type survival mechanisms in it where you have worker, not necessarily worker placement, but like action selection. And you try to just basically stop the world from falling apart. And so you just have to survive for five rounds. And the first indication that this was not going to be the best experience ever was the teach was really long and it wasn't that that um i didn't know how the game worked it's that the game just took a long time to teach because yeah, there's just, just a lot like, of things you have to say the words for yes, everything you just that have to, to say happen. the words <laughs> so and yeah. i i thought back on it after i taught, I was like i don't know if i could have taught that any more streamlined than i did um, yeah. there's just a lot of things. And the, the painful part about it is it's not all intuitive. And so it's just a jumble of rules in a box kind of. And so we started playing and like, okay, so I'll tell you what's going on inside each of the four players heads from, at least from my perspective, uh, after doing sort of a postmortem on this game, uh, one of the players, um, who we'd previously played the, co the semi co co-op mode of co2 with and did not like that um was kind of you know we could had kind of poked fun and said oh you're just going to take this game because because you did that on co2 and blah 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 so he was thinking okay i'm just i'm gonna be nice and i'm gonna just like let this game happen and i will basically just like try to make it work and was hating it <laughs> so wasn't having a good time uh another player was just kind of furious at the game and was like trying to zero in on how do i make us die as quickly <laughs> as possible <laughs> and so he had figured it out and was going to do that the problem was i was sitting next to that player thinking oh my gosh i've brought a terrible game to the table i have to make it work and so i was fixing the problems that he was causing <laughs> um and then uh the the game <laughs> we didn't play a full game i'll just say that uh we discovered and i think the second round of the game that we had been forgetting to do a pretty key thing which is you have to on everybody's turn during a certain phase of the game you have to draw a bad card that like causes bad things to happen and we had forgot that for two or three players and realized it and then the the fourth player at the table was just like oh my gosh can we just quit can we just put this back in the box and that was like the saving grace moment of the whole morning because i was like thank you yes let's put this away <laughs> i was i was like not wanting to say that myself because i was the one that suggested bring it to the table and was kind of dedicated to making it work even though it just sucked 
Oh my gosh, Risto, this game is so bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> Risto well, actually tried to warn us, and uh, we uh, we made a pact to tell Risto that it was the best game ever, and that we all had individually purchased our own copies. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, I think I saw you, and I went to play Beyond the Sun for that one, but. Uh, I remember actually being interested in the game in theory when it came out and it looked interesting on like on Kickstarter I think it was and I looked at the reviews later and uh, they were not good and I was like okay well maybe it's not good but I'm actually morbidly kind of curious what uh, the game is I, lo I looked at some like just BGG reviews and it sounds like like you say there's basically a bunch of mechanics that kind of don't make a lot of sense they're not super intuitive the game itself is not intuitive at all like they were mentioning like uh, arbitrarily you have to pay for these like barricades with different resources why because the game says so like stuff like that basically stuff that should be kind of streamlined developed more but uh, the, the weird thing is some people are saying like well there's actually a cool game in there and like you just have to play a bunch of times and it gets better and like I don't know, it like, doesn't i'm sure it doesn't <laughs> uh, so that, i'm just like i'm kind of just like i say morbidly curious but i doubt that i'm gonna like especially um sounds like i'm definitely not going to convince you guys to play it so like it has to be yeah. some other group that wants to play it in the future which is not very likely so i doubt that i'm actually I, gonna experience yeah, this game i don't think that any redeeming qualities this game might have outweigh the atrocity that it is um <laughs> it's just it's bad it's really yeah. really bad um it just it, for an example of something like just to kind of steer you away from like risking your health to play this game <laughs> um so th there's like this worker phase i guess it's called the merry men phase where you you just like send your your regular merry men out i think you have three every round or at least three you can unlock another one to have four and these are your workers so you're sending them to to like these hideouts or campgrounds to do certain things where you're going to get a resource or um you could actually use a special ability on a card. So like there, there are some like glimmers of hope of a cool system when you're reading <laughs> the rules, um, because you kind of can compare cards up to do cool things. So like, uh, anyway, and then during the second half of the, of the, of the, of each round, it's the, I guess, hero phase or something. So each player is playing a hero that from the Robin hood lore. So you might play Mary made Marion or, or little John or whoever, and you get to send, uh, your heroes to different areas of the board to kind of like fix problems, like maybe put up a barricade to slow down carriages that are just dragging coins toward the castle. So you're like trying to keep coins away from the castle, or maybe you're trying to set traps or to capture guards or, or something. Um, but everything is a dice roll. Everything. Oh, that sounds really bad, actually. Yeah. It's like basically everything's a dice roll, and I completely whiffed one of my turns, which means I effectively flushed twenty percent of my game down the <laughs> down the toilet. No, that sounds really bad. I was hoping like the it's it's clunky as far as just kind of doesn't not intuitive but if if it's also dice are involved then it's i'm yes. probably not going to be interested i it's, didn't know like it has a lot of dice that doesn't sound good at all yeah it 
it's just not good. It's clunky. It's not intuitive. And there are dice involved for really crucial moments. Yeah. And so, I mean, the mitigation, unfortunately, is get more dice. And there, <laughs> there are there are re-roll mechanics, but like, I don't know. I've never really thought as of re-rolling as a mitigation mechanism. Yeah, yeah. If it's really important, you're like you re-roll maybe one time and it changes from six to a six or something. Yeah. So it's like, yay. <laughs> but I mean, so, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. The theme brought me in and the rules had like glimmers of hope of kind of cool systems. But then when you start playing through it, you just you just realize, oh, this is why there should be protections in place on Kickstarter. <laughs> because yeah, trash like this can make it through <laughs> uh yeah not that there should be restrictions on kickstarter just like do your research and know when you see crap but yeah i, I did not like this game even a little bit well that's unfortunate cool yeah, I liked my play of Beyond the Sun that morning, so <laughs> yeah. that, that, I'm glad I that avoided really that good. disaster. So yeah, uh, yeah. So we the, the next game it's we kind of funny that. actually. I was oh, I kind of like left you kind of happy, and I came back and I was happy because I had just played Beyond the Sun, <laughs> yeah. and everyone was kind of like really grim looking around the table, and one person's like, "I'm leaving, and I'm not sure if I'm coming back." <laughs> oh yeah, I, I like, forgot about the, that. What the heck happened? <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I told yeah. them I hope we were still friends after he left. and actually yeah <laughs> apparently that game ended his salt con because uh he didn't no, come back was, so he, he played one more actually the, oh the, did he i don't know yeah the remember. next game we played was the scarlet pimpernel oh yeah 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 um and funny story actually i think i was um the on friday when i was teaching games i think that game of praga that i watched the designer of scarlet pimpernel was playing that game i think yep yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, goes to SaltCon every time. If you uh, are going to SaltCon, definitely uh, kind of ask around because people will point him out to you. Yeah, I was joking so with Justine that maybe he should like sign her game, and she was like <laughs> totally not interested. She's like, no, I don't think anyone's going to touch my game, and no signatures or anything like that. Yeah. So, yep. Um, so that's I think it's Brian Kelly. Um, yes. So the Scarlet Pimpernel. Um, I just realized it was ENO tool artwork because it's an Eagle Griffin yep. game. Um, so this is an interesting, interesting game. Uh, basically, you kind of have action cubes to allocate to spots to um, basically pick routes for the Scarlet Pimpernel to travel, and you get points for putting cubes down, and you can put points in other areas to get area majorities to get certain uh, like. Bonus tiles. <laughs> I was trying to say benefit and bonus together. Ben Benos tiles, <laughs> uh, where that like kind of boost actions, and then you can. Um, I I don't know how to really explain this game very well. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Basically, it's like put cubes on stuff, but you can put cubes on things that kind of set other people up uh, in some ways. Oh, um, so much. 
and the game has like a weird engine element as well like you say those tiles that there's majorities at the top of the board if i remember correctly is how they work and i think if you have like majorities or something or i can't remember you get assigned these tiles which make your future actions better and i've seen some pretty kind of like runaway games because some of those are incredibly powerful so there's this like awkward kind of slightly cooperation but really a lot of competition game because by i think by like creating the routes of where he's going you can kind of confirm basically what it's going to happen around the board if i remember correctly so you kind of like the the more cubes you pay you place around the route the more you kind of make apparent what the round is going to play like uh so yeah very very weird game i think like the my overall feeling of it is it was kind of really kind of old school feeling and just a little bit uh, weird, but overall, I kind of liked it. It's interesting. Just very kind of actually reminds yeah. me of like an Astari game or something like uh, Murms or something like that. That's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah, I I think that um, my feeling after my first play was that this is a game that really depends on people doing the right things. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, because so the, the game started off weird where like I got one of those bonus tiles and then basically i think everybody had a bonus tile and then another player stole my tile and another tile or like had three tiles or another player had three tiles and then it just like started getting out of control and i was like oh wow <laughs> yep this game this game is going to be bad <laughs> um not necessarily the design is bad but just like wow this is not going to be fun to play and then i think that that player kind of picked up on the fact that myself and and another one another player at the table had kind of said like wow well this game just kind of like is solved right it's like you get the good tiles then you just play it out and you win and it's basically like put a put a cube down get a point put a cube down get a point yeah um and so that player kind of changed how he was playing and s decided to let me steal the good tile from him and then i tried to test a theory of I am going to do one action this whole game and I'm not going to move <laughs> my person from one district to the other because you can move like your main meeple on the board to different colored districts so that you can do the actions or put cubes down in that district. I did none of that. I did one action the whole game. I just provided the horses for the <laughs> for the events or whatever and ended up winning the game. Um, huh. So the the moral of that story was somebody should have been fighting me for that tile earlier. Yeah. Now there's there's a lot of that going on in the game like there's weird like co-op elements where you kind of want people to buddy up with you but there's also the majorities and you should definitely like it has a huge kind of bash the leader type of thing yeah, going on exactly. and you should definitely be aware of who's leading so you can bash them otherwise it kind of gets out of control like you say yeah. from what I've seen. And I was just not expecting it to be that kind of game. So it, here's my take on on it after one play. Is I, I think that, like you said, I think it's got an interesting system and would be fun to play, but it really, really would benefit, I think, from people knowing kind of how the game goes and how to yep. know who is the leader because it's not necessarily clear at all times during the game. Yes, um, that is true. So I think I think it's cool... I would like to play it again um, w 
just kind of maybe with the same group or people who've played it before to kind of know that, okay, we shouldn't just let somebody have that tile the whole game, you know? Yeah, actually, they it was a hot game at SaltCon like a couple of years ago, or maybe yeah, two years ago probably, or maybe three when it came out. Uh, I remember people saying, if you know the game, you're probably gonna like do really well or have an advantage because, like you say, it's not super intuitive how it kind of works and where the points are coming from at first. And once you kind of get to the middle of the game, you're like, oh, I see what's happening now. Yeah. But then usually it's kind of too late, so it's a very kind of fragile in some ways game where you have to be careful to not let things get out of control otherwise they might get really out of control yeah exactly and and this just reminds me of that discussion we had several episodes ago about fragility in in board games and and or tabletop games and um this has a lot of player interaction and a lot of dependency on what other players do so i think that the fragility yeah. is is pretty pronounced and and that was just really evident in our play of it so it it wasn't the best play of it but i think that the system has promised to be fun yeah yeah i also think the same way unfortunately i think the game probably gets best when everyone really knows how the game goes and how to play the game and what the implications of all the tiles at the top of the board are i think that's when it gets really good so yep. yeah yeah well, the, the next game we played actually is one that you brought to the table. Yeah, Hacienda is the one that we played, I think, next. I was interested in that game because, first of all, it's uh, Wolfgang, Wolfgang Kramer. And uh, I was interested in what he did in 2005 when the game was published, so like one of his earlier games without Kiesling. Uh, actually, yeah. Um, also, the reason I was interested is because there's a second edition coming out. I was actually looking up at uh, what the heck is happening with that second edition because it's published in 2019 and it's 21 now. So, like, what the heck? Turns out it's Did actually it published. <laughs> no, no. I mean, <laughs> it's already out of print. No, just kidding. No, it's not out of print. Yet, what happened actually is it was never released in the US, sadly. So, maybe, like, I'm hoping to get it from uh, whatever board game Bliss or something from, from Canada, Canada where they do import yeah. sometimes for exorbitant prices obviously uh unless it goes on clearance which i doubt uh actually the funny thing is like someone opened a thread about uh when is this getting a u.s release and uh the publisher replied uh, send an email to info at white goblin games for possible license for the usa so I, think <laughs> oh, no. just like, uh, I think just like no one is interested in publishing it in the u.s for some reason for a year now or a year and a half and hopefully that's going to change uh, unless it doesn't and maybe it's just going to be a european game that just goes out of print again which would be sad because the game i think is actually pretty cool um it's uh i thought it was gonna be area enclosure but it's not really area enclosure it's basic kind of like play tiles on the board and build a network of tiles uh i think it's cool though because there's what you're doing is you're uh, thematically like a landowner owner in Argentina or something that's why it's called hacienda so you're trying to just build cattle farms and just animal farms i guess all kinds of animals and claim land for your uh, estates or whatever and build haciendas on top of you, on top of them or whatever um it has kind of an economic game going on and an action economy kind of game going on and a timing game going on so you have money and you're buying the cards which lets you let you 
play tiles on the board with the money and then you make more money from the tiles so you can buy more cards and so forth and the game eventually ends i thought it was pretty cool though uh very kind of 2005-ish feeling game, uh, kind of a little bit old school. Uh, you're basically trying to like surround particular elements like water, for example, or touch particular elements like markets to make money or score points and or score points. Money is also points, but kind of a, a lesser conversion rate. But overall, I, I thought it was actually a pretty cool game, uh, especially for the time period. Uh, pretty solid kind of abstract feeling game with an economic element. Uh, pretty fun. Um, I don't know how I would describe it. Really, it's not really common with... Uh, it doesn't have much commonality with anything that's published nowadays because I think these kind of games like publishers are probably kind of like, well, this is not really going to sell nowadays. But uh, that's why I like those games sometimes because um, you get things that probably wouldn't be published today. If I were to liken it to something, maybe something like uh, Ishtar or something is close to that where you play styles and you're trying to build blobs of your area that like touch particular elements like collect crystals and stuff that's kind of similar but uh basically like an abstract put tiles on the board and score them kind of game i really liked it actually i thought it was pretty cool kind of funny but um the person who left was like because i actually wasn't super confident that the teach is what gonna go really well because I read the rule book and I was like, I don't know, this sounds weird and I hope it kind of works because sometimes those abstract games, you're just kind of like reading the rules and like, I have no idea if this is actually going to be good or if it's going to work, you know, because it's just like yeah. these actions <laughs> like buy card for $2, play style for $5, place a sandal for $10 and you're just like, well, I hope this like makes a good game in the end. Yeah. But I'm happy to say that it actually <laughs> did make a good game in the end and it went pretty smooth actually and the person left because uh, they were scared of, of another Robin Hood uh, replay <laughs> experience. I don't think anything can match that uh, for, for yeah. badness. But yeah, actually, I, I did you have the feeling when you're reading that book, rule book? Sometimes I get uh, a certain feeling when I'm reading older rule books or just kind of abstract uh, games like that where I'm just thinking, oh, I really hope there's a good player aid to just kind of remind oh. you of all these things yes i actually was hoping and there is player aid which is really good i think the player aid actually is really really solid in that game and it really helps so yeah yeah i thought it was a great game i support your decision to hunt it down and find it yeah i really hope someone picks it up in the u.s apparently like the european edition as usual has some kind of like uh, errors in the rule book or whatever and like people already posted a pdf with like corrections or like read this first before you play the game or something but it's supposed to be a straight reprint of the original with like slightly updated art and a couple of new boards particularly for two players because i can imagine how two players would not work really well but the game is like the same it's a straight reprint so if you have the old edition for some reason probably don't do it but i am interested and i hope someone like i say picks it up and even updates the errors in the rulebook that'd be amazing so hopefully that happens otherwise maybe we'll see we'll just we'll see just, if, we'll if, just play it at salt con every if, year <laughs> if i can yeah or if i can even like see it available anywhere in the u.s or canada so we'll see how that goes yeah i, I will say though that um i kind of wish we had played the other side of the board 
Yeah, yeah. For some reason, they recommend that you start on this side, which looks really unrealistic and is kind of like supposedly balanced, I think, is what they're going for. Like it's really well balanced or whatever, but it also looks really boring and unrealistic. The other side actually looks way cooler. Um, yeah, so, the yeah. terrain is more varied and kind of asymmetric and not really balanced, I guess, but it looks more interesting. Yeah. I don't know why they want you to start on that side of the board, but whatever. I just went with their silly recommendations. Like, for the first game, may it do this side and stuff, so <laughs> we whatever. We did the stuff that we normally ignore in other games. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the next game we played was also your doing, so I'll, uh, I'll let you go through <laughs> that one. Uh, spoilers, I don't think anyone really liked that game. I thought it was just okay. Uh, Quattle is the game that I wanted to play. Um, I didn't expect it to actually be good, but I don't think it was even really that good. Just kind of okay. Uh, Crottle is a game where suppose, people actually liken it to Azul or Reef um, for some reason. I don't know if it's the same publisher as Reef. It, look, it feels like it should be the same publisher because it has those same kind of plastic pieces. That I don't think it is. This one is uh, Synapses Games. Yeah, something weird. But also if you expand, like there's a bunch of other games. <laughs> so no, but I don't think it's the same one. I doubt it's the same one. But it does feel like it should be the same one because the game is very similar. You draft like plastic pieces, which look like uh, like some kind of baby toys or something. If you take them out of the game and you place them on uh, in Reef, you actually place them on a board and you try to make like these scoring conditions and stacks. In this one, you place them on these uh, quattles, which is the snake with wings which is I think in like South American culture um, I'm not super familiar but anyway you're making these snakes with uh, heads and tails and segments and you're trying to kind of create these scoring conditions by taking the right colors and attaching them to your snake so that you can score some conditions that are just kind of available in your hand and also some of that are available on the board. So you're trying to kind of like build a snake that ideally uh, fulfills multiple scoring conditions at the same time, ideally by also reusing elements. So for example, like maybe a card wants you to have like lots of blue in your snake. And if you have another card, which is like have two blue segments and then two black segments next to each other, then you can kind of double up sort of on goals and stuff so you're trying to do this all by get just just grabbing elements from a central board if you get body segments there you get two at the same time and unfortunately they're like presets so they come in pairs so you if you grab some you're getting two at the same time if you get a head or a tail you're just grabbing one uh, and the board refills when either the head slash tails run out so like if people take enough or the body segments run out and um, that was kind of the first warning sign for me when I was reading the rule book but I was like well maybe it works out but yeah it does lead to basically you're trying to just like hold out until the last possible second so you don't get the last thing which is the least choice that no one once uh, so that the next person can get like a full refilled choice from the full board which is the best choice <laughs> but eventually <laughs> yeah. eventually you basically have to do that eventually you'll have to grab the last element of something maybe you don't even need it or 
doesn't ideally work but you're just like wow i have to do something and it's the last one so that's kind of an, an unfortunate cheap kind of element of the game is like someone gets a perfect selection because you drew the last thing from the board and it refills for them um the other thing is like um we ended up having this weird issue and i don't know if like people didn't realize what was going on i did realize what was going on but matt was uh rushing the game extremely fast which i saw happening and i was like well i'm also going to try to rush the game really fast as much as possible uh but trevor and uh, justine were not so lucky nope <laughs> I think, uh, and basically at the end of the game, uh, by the way, the game ends either when the bag runs out, which I can't really see happening after this one game that I played, uh, or someone finishes their third quattle. And supposedly what stops you from doing the super rushing, um, and the quattle has to have like at least one head, at least one like segment, I think. Actually, I'm not even sure if it has, needs to have a body segment and a tail. Um, but what stops you supposedly from really rushing is they have to fulfill at least one scoring condition so like you have to get to at least usually like two segments i think body segments like there's no way i think to score yeah actually i don't know maybe there is a way to just score a head and a tail which would be really cheap and dumb uh but yeah basically what matt was doing is he was like doing the bare minimum to score like just two cards per quattle uh one from the middle or one from his hand and that's about it so he like that rushed won the it. game then that actually ended up winning the game uh which i don't know if that's the way it is every time but i do have a problem with kind of the scoring cards um the highest point scoring card is actually the card which is for multiple colors and supposedly that's like really difficult to do but in our game it was actually extremely difficult to do the same color because what ended up happening is like all kinds of different colors came out on the middle in the middle of the board and i was just like this is just like bad design in my opinion because the card which is the same color over and over should be i think way higher scoring than the multiple colors colors card even though they have to be in a particular order so i guess that's the difficult part but i mean you can just delay building until you get them in the particular order and it just it just kind of doesn't seem like that's the more difficult objective it seems like actually the same color is the more difficult objective by far and they just kind of the goals kind of felt like they weren't really working the way they're supposed to um being able to rush the game like that kind of was a problem i was kind of hoping that wouldn't be really possible because i thought about that it's like i was like wow three snakes is like not really that long of doesn't seem like that long of a time and yeah it came true like the game is very rushable um i did score a decent amount of points because i realized what was going on but matt actually did end up winning the game which i was like well that's unfortunate i was trying to like set up these like super complex like build a snake and score like four things at the same time and it kind of was working but like being able to just rush the game and win by not doing that i was just like okay maybe this is not a great game after all um and yeah i think like trevor and justine totally hated it so anyway so i that's... didn't care for it but i did score some points and I... <laughs> it wasn't zero like i think just immediately yeah, like i didn't think... finish anything so she got like zero yeah. points because you only uh you only score your finished quattles which is the unfortunate part 
Yeah, she had plenty of stuff in the works and would have scored a decent amount of points, but Matt ended it too soon. So I think yeah. I think Justine did not care for this at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I had kind of heard uh, rumors that this game was just super lucky and kind of dumb, and it, it, that that was maybe giving it a little too much credit. <laughs> I, I just yeah. I didn't like I didn't think it was uh, it was a good game. Ultimately, it's pretty light. I might give it another chance in the future, but I was just kind of like, yeah. There's a basically uh, the lucky part is like if you have the right goals, and there's these middle goals that you can only fulfill if you're like first to do it. So if you get like the lucky combination of i have the right goal in my hand and the right goal in the middle of the table and the right pieces are out and they're available to me like you just kind of that's the way to score well i don't think by thinking a lot you're going to improve your score that much uh, i mean you might improve your score a little bit but you're just not going to be that much i think it's that unfortunately it comes down to luck and yeah i was actually surprised online to see the reviews about it because i thought more people would complain about it and i only saw one person complaining about exactly the what really? we were complaining about is uh the they were like, I was liking the game for its concept at first, but the more I played it, uh, the more one thing became more and more tangible. The fact that a player can rush to have three quattles unfortunately ruined the game for me. But yeah, a lot of <laughs> yeah. people, a lot of people seem to just like this uh, game for some reason. Uh, some people are saying like it's random. Yeah, it, no joke, it's random. But uh, the reviews weren't that bad for it. That's why I kind of wanted to try it, but. Ultimately, I don't know. Those games kind of like Reef and Azul. I'm not a huge fan. Like, I prefer kind of games with some more control over them. And if they're kind of random like this, I think they should be more fun. This is like really thinky for how random it is because you should really sit down and do some real combinations of the pieces and what you can pull out of the board to really score highly and it just kind of there can be actually some like really long turns as well if you start thinking about it and uh on in the background someone's like i'm just building like one card per quattle and i'm winning the game and all of that just kind of comes together in a really strange way but yeah anyway it's a thing yeah so this looks like it's a first effort for this design team and i have some very disturbing news <laughs> the card Co game is coming out. Coaddle the card game is coming next year, apparently. Well, the board game <laughs> was way complex, so yeah. I hope the card game is not as heavy as that. Well, they'll just remove all the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe like, I like the ideas. Maybe they're going to actually fix something in the card game. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm just not terribly encouraged to try it, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I only played one more game um, at SaltCon after this. I think after we'd finished this game, Haristo and I were kind of tag teaming uh, the final shift for teaching games, and there wasn't much to teach. Um, so s someone had approached us and asked for somebody to go play Root, and Haristo volunteered me as tribute uh, <laughs> to go play Root. Actually, so... The game was with um, someone we, we already knew and then two other people I'd never met, but who already knew Root. And playing Root with that group just reminded me how much I love that game, especially with people who know how to play it. Um, 
I played the Erie Dynasties and actually pulled out a win, which was kind of uh, miraculous because I usually have a very hard time winning with with the birds. Um, but yeah, it was just the the dynamic at the table was fun because everybody knew the game, so there was some fun table talk and a little bit of trash talking and kind of like semi alliance type things, but not really. And so I think the, the the game we played was just kind of how that game I think was envisioned to be played. And so those are the times I enjoy it the most. Um, it, we've talked about root a lot on the on the podcast before, so I won't go into any detail about what it is. But uh, yeah, I I really like that game and was uh, pleasantly surprised I got to get a good game of it in at SaltCon. Yeah, I actually thought Trevor was losing pretty hard because I walked by and the, I saw the track like backwards. So that was kind of weird. That And then I went back and I saw that I was seeing it backwards. But yeah, usually birds are pretty hard to play with um, in general in that game. But I think, yeah, I think the way to win with them is people understanding the game because then you get a pretty balanced game that anyone can really win. Um, otherwise, yeah. I, think, I think what happens with birds usually is like they come out strong and people attack them because they're like oh my gosh birds are winning and then like someone else wins yep. because they weren't attacked so yep. that's that's good yeah. birds usually hit a plateau and i just found i found a way to to skyrocket past the plateau in this game by being really mean to the cat player on one turn <laughs> Which was kind of sad because uh, she and I had had been like having fun, kind of uh, taking down the Woodland Alliance a little bit earlier in the game and kind of poking fun at the at the vagabond. And then I just like ultimately betrayed her and and destroyed <laughs> a, a clearing with like five five tokens in it. So I got a lot of points. Oh yeah, and then, that's really good. And then on that turn, I built two roosts, which put me at my maximum roosts. And so I was just getting like five points and, and basically you just, you couldn't stop the machine. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, really, really liked that play of it. I think, <laughs> I think the line that Risto used when he came back that second time was, wow, Trevor won with the birds. I resign. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, like I say, I've played some games of Root and the birds usually just kind of get wrecked um, and kind of never recover, really, because if you kind of get wrecked early on, it kind of doesn't work really anymore. Yep, and that that's that's the tricky part of with the birds is you have to figure out how to be doing well, but not so well that you just paint a giant target on your forehead. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, uh, what about games uh, looking forward to? I have some games that I'm looking forward to. Just really, really quick, I'm just going to list some titles. I don't know if you have yeah. from yeah, SaltCon. Yeah, I've got a couple. Basically, uh, well, first of all, the failure that I talked about on the uh, SaltCon podcast was I didn't play any of the U Uwe Rosenberg Tauling trilogy games, which I was hoping to play, but maybe next time. I'm actually looking at the board game, uh, at the games that I was hoping to play at SaltCon, there's another one that I was really sad that I was like, how did I forget about this? Uh, which was a silly little game, but I wanted to try it called, I think it's Red Outpost, let me actually see. Um, 
Oh yeah, yeah, I've read, read this out. one. Yes, read Outpost. It's like uh, the the joke is it's like a communist worker placement game because like everyone gets the same or something wherever you place your workers. I can't remember, but anyway, it's like a, a Russian communism. <laughs> worker placement game which is like really silly and i think is like under an hour for sure and kind of lighter i was just curious what they did with that um that was the other sadness that i didn't get to play i was kind of uh, reading the rules to goa actually i read the rules to goa which is another game that i've been kind of interested throughout the years i keep hearing the name it sounded interesting kind of like a auctioning game but um i guess maybe next time uh what i'm looking forward to playing really is i got a copy of el grande big the big box finally i found it for a reasonable price that was one of the games that i was waiting to go on clearance or on sale somewhere and instead of on clearance it went out of print so i was just like well <laughs> kind of skipped that, that step. sucks <laughs> yeah it skipped the clearance step it's <laughs> just like directly out of print uh so i was like well that's sad but uh, someone was actually selling a shrink a copy and shrink for like uh, basically what it would have cost retail at a large game store uh so i bought it and i really like that game actually i think it's like one of the cooler area controls even though it's so old um the uh, I'm hoping they don't do like a 25th anniversary or something. Actually, it'd be like the 30th anniversary in 2025 because the 25th anniversary was in 2020. Amazingly, it's like a 95 design. But uh, don't let that scare you because I think it's a really, really solid game and we should play it sometime. I think um, that this is still like the gold standard for area controls. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, I don't know, earth shattering by today's standard, but it's like a solid game. It's uh, one it that's has aged, aged well, at least. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that unlike a lot of games, that one has aged well, actually, and it's still like really, really good. Um, uh, so yeah, El Grande will get played someday. Uh, the other thing that I was kind of, uh, I didn't expect to actually get this, but I got High Rise out of the math trade and I wanted, I've wanted to play that game. Um, just no one really has it. Uh, it's a, kind of an economic city building game that I was really curious about. The unfortunate thing is uh, kind of a longer playing time from what I can see, but I'm really kind of looking forward to breaking that out somewhere. Uh, because I think I'm going to like it, hopefully. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. those are kind of the mostly the games that I'm looking forward to out of SaltCon. Uh, yep, that's about yeah, it. Cool. I'd, I've been wanting to play El Grande for a long time, and I've actually looked at High Rise before. So, um, yeah, definitely would, would like to play those. Um, speaking of games that are out of print, <laughs> one of the games I'm looking forward to is also out of print. Um, so to provide a little context for this, I've been going on a kick recently trying to, well, I guess not recently, but just in general, trying to play all of Alexander Pfister's games. Um, so SaltCon kind of rekindled that a bit where I played Great Western Trail and Blackout, um, and I picked up a copy of Broom Service um, in the, the game swap room at SaltCon. Um, and so I, I went and looked at a list of the Alexander Pfister games. I was like, oh, I have like basically all of these except for the really old ones that are out of print or in German only. Um, so two of the games are actually uh, Alexander, two of the games on my horizon are, are older or I guess difficult to get 
Alexander Pfister games. Um, the first one is called The Mines of Zavendor. Have you heard of this? No, that's like his first game as I see it. It's, yeah, it's his second game that was published. I think the his yeah in the rule book it says oh, it's sorry. his second. Second, I guess. Never um, mind. But yeah, his first game I think is German only. I can't find it. Uh, but anyway, so I found a copy of this on the Geek Market actually for a uh, really decent price. It's um, probably because it's bad. Just kidding. Yeah. Kind of kidding. Uh, I don't know. It probably well, isn't super it, great. It might not be great because it's like his first design. But anyway, it, the the concept of the game is uh, basically auction and bidding with engine building. Um, so you are these dwarves basically uh, mining gems and then you use the gems to do auctions to get cards that you add to your player board that can then be upgraded to increase your efficiency when you're uh, mining for gems and you just kind of like use your engine to turn it into points at the end of the game. And there's some sort of track where the mountain king kind of moves through these different chambers and uh, uh, causes uh, prices of things to change. And so I'm just curious how it plays. Um, I actually saw some uh, forum posts kind of uh comparing it to Nidavellir in a way um which was kind of interesting to me because I like Nidavellir a lot I don't think they're going to be the same games except that there's bidding um but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to trying that one out so I did find a copy that was actually still new and shrink and decently priced so you may be right it may just not be very good <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but I found it darn it and it's out of print so we'll play it sometime the yeah uh, sorry, did you did you have anything to say on that one? No, not really. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the other Alexander Fister game that I managed to get um, for like ten bucks is called Gear, which is I think German for greed, and it's a really simple looking card game where basically it's push your luck and set collection. Uh, the goal of the game is to end up with six cards of the same value. And you do that by stealing cards from one of, from one another to Am- build your amazing. own collection. It's a gr- yeah. groundbreaking design right there. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> amazing. So <laughs> yeah. So basically, if, from what I can gather, um, and I I'm kind of expecting to not really care for this one, but it's in a Fister game, <laughs> six, and I 6. am six point one. On yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm I am, already sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I I. I got a copy of it because it was cheap and I am on a quest to play every Alexander Fister game out there. So if it's trash, then it's trash and whatever. Uh, But basically on your turn, you're going to play a card and then you can choose an opponent to raid. And then this is where the push your luck comes where you just like draw cards from that person's hand, putting it face down on the table. And then you can choose to stop and keep the card or you can keep going. But if you draw two cards from this the the that player's hand that are the same number then your turn ends and you get nothing so it kind of has a push your luck <laughs> thing uh i'm expecting this game to be kind of stupid maybe not so fun but it sounded that it, it had some potential for some funny moments or maybe some anger angry moments uh but we'll see uh so i i picked a copy of, of it really cheap i think that this one is mostly only available in Germany, but I found somebody on the geek market that had it in the U.S. for pretty cheap, so I I snagged a copy of it. 
And the final thing on my horizon for this week is Bonfire. What? Trees and Creatures, the oh, first okay. expansion I for see. Bonfire. Um, this is, a, I think, going to be available by Essen this year, or it's going to be available at Essen. I have no idea when it's going to be in distribution and retail to, to purchase, but it's a modular expansion with three modules, and I think the ability to add a fifth player. Uh, one of the modules is adding trees above your path tiles, so like around the outer edge of your board that will either offer maybe one-time bonuses, maybe some engine, and uh, more endgame scoring opportunities. So that sounds like it's got some potential. Um, I think there's also some asymmetry at the beginning of the games. One of the modules adds creatures, um, which basically just gives you a unique ability from the start of the game. Uh, which sounds kind of interesting. And then there's this events card system where uh, every time the player who started the game places a new fate tile, which are the tiles that get you your new um, action tokens, every time that player plays a fate tile, a new event happens in the game uh, that affects all players. I don't know if those are going to be bad or good or in between. Uh, but anyway, I really like Bonfire, and I'm curious to see what that expansion adds. I don't even know if... Had you heard of this? No, not really. I'm actually kind of reading uh, through it. And yeah, it sounds interesting. I like modular expansions. I am a little bit scared about the asymmetric abilities. I hope they're not like ridiculously powerful. But anyway, anything about uh, adding stuff to Bonfire sounds really cool. So yeah, um, I just hope they're not like, uh, I don't know, like uh, the p p uh, person that I played in uh, Marco Polo 2 or something. Oh my you gosh. Know? Yeah, <laughs> just, no, they like, should. Really I really ridiculously <laughs> powerful like asymmetric abilities it would be really funny if that character had an animal form <laughs> in, the, in this game what's it yeah. what's the character's name yeah, i forget uh gantuga odd or gantuga op, odd or op because he's op anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. you 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 get to move your uh druids for free or something your and you can have, for free yeah, <laughs> you, and you want. can yep yep <laughs> actually there's a turtle that looks like it might add add that power somehow. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's that's the one I'm looking at. It's like one boat, your boat goes anywhere. Yeah, okay, I, well, I um, think I saw OP characters confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw in the forum somebody posted a picture and said, "Is this real? That's a, that's really good." <laughs> so yeah. um, I don't know. We'll see about the asymmetric stuff. Um, I'm. Not sure if that's like the part I'm looking forward to most about the expansion. I think the tree thing sounds cool and I, I, events I could be cool. I thought you were going to say the fifth player. Oh, fifth player. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that's what every game needs is yes. more players. <laughs> yep. Fifth player expansion for the win. Yep. No, anyway, actually, that's... Uh, yeah, it sounds cool. It's uh, actually I can see like if you we haven't really played the game like over and over a lot, but it does get kind of uh, probably like kind of scripted samey-ish, and usually those kind of expansions bring way more ver variety because if you have a character who's good at something, you're probably going to be doing that like more, and it it's always a good thing to kind of shake up a game which doesn't really other than the order in which cards come out which is significant like the rest of the game doesn't really change it's kind of the yeah. same and so, so like yeah. adding more things to choose from with the trees and things like that also is is yeah. good i think 
or something that you're intrinsically good at, like an action. I think that's always right. really interesting in games. Yep. Yep. So that's that's all I have on my horizon for this week. Cool. Sounds good. Well, I think that's about it then. Yep. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you in a couple weeks. Cards and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble Rabble Rabble, a comedic look at current events, and Steady Diet of Music, a bi-weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email, Cards and Cubes podcast at gmail.com or visit our website www.cardsandcubes.com We'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. Find more of Kirsten's art on Instagram at catcoffee, that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E We'd also like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and thank all of you for listening and we will return in a couple of weeks.